Well, let's welcome you back to This Week in the Association. I'm Rob Panier, joined once again by my good buddy, Kevin Luco. And this week, Kevin and I are wel- uh, want to welcome back one of our favorite guests of the show, the, the guy calling sensational baseball down there in Australia, Dan Vaughn. Dan, thanks for coming back with us this week. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever time it is, right? No, we're actually in North America, so it's actually good evening to you, but uh, always good to hear you guys and always love to, love to be a part of the show, always, always, always. Well, Dan, let's just start with first year that Australia has been back on the diamond for a few seasons because of COVID. And what was what was the the season like for you watching from you know and and how well it played this year? Well, I, you know, anytime you don't do something, any business, whether it be a burger stand or uh, you, know, you know a realtor or whatever, and you don't do it for a year, you, you close down. Uh, it's hard to stay in business. I mean, it's hard to to uh, pick up and just restart again. And I tip my cap that they were able to do that. Uh, I don't think that was the, 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 the best move collectively for our game in Australia to close down last year. Because two years ago they got caught uh, trying to squeeze it all in, much like the American Association did, you know, that same year. and just ran out of time when the Victorian borders closed and all that. Last year, shutting down for the whole year with the World Baseball Classic looming the next year, was a real a lot of folks thought a death deal to the to the game and um, I would I'll tell you two two answers to the question. In, initially, I was disappointed in the return because the crowds were down and it just didn't seem like interest was there. But that being said, the playoff crowds, the playoff interest for the Claxton Shield was an all time high, and I think the, the league really rebounded and got when they got the postseason this year. And actually played for the Claxton Shield, which is a baseball trophy that goes back, a shield actually goes back to the 1930s. To actually play for it in a real competition, I think really reignited passions in Australia. Because, again, like I said, anytime you go away, if you close down the burger stand for a year, they made the best burgers in town, but it's hard to uh, get always jump start and restart. They did that, and really because the postseason was great and the vision of really getting the season in the books. Really wound up helping the game overall. Did you find that the level of play on the field suffered at all? No, no, I don't think so. I, I, I think the the interest is always there. Uh, the, I think the league is actually the actually the league has gone through a metamorphosis since two thousand. Well, say when the when the league came back, and just to give you a quick history lesson, uh, the Australian Baseball League for the longest time. Uh, played in the ni- 80s and 90s and went away for about eight years and played a state competition. And they came back in 2010 with Major League Baseball. And back then, it was more geared toward getting prospects at bats and the local Australian players, their bats. <coughs> Excuse me. But uh, we seen it go from that to you know, a larger talent pool. You had uh, four big leaguers playing this year. You had uh, some of the best of the American Association, top-notch prospects for the Phillies and Rays. You had a whole team of uh, Korean prospects playing. Uh, some really good Nippon from Japan playing. It was a really, uh, really good league, I think, overall talent-wise. I think the best it's been in a while. Uh, overall, top to bottom, as best it's been uh, since they've had the ABL. Your team, Perth, uh, had a, had a, had a uh, not, I think, not every season you were looking for. I don't know. What were your thoughts about how they played this year? I'm sorry. I, I lost you there. How did, how did you feel that Perth performed this year? 
Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I long time work with them. I've been working with Perth now since 2012. And uh, Perth really, I think, was where they should have been. Uh, they, they have an agreement to raise. Uh, Tampa sent some prospects early that uh, were, were, were prospects. They were, they, they were not really... They're more French prospects, young kids who threw hard. But they did bring a kid over, Junior Caminero, who I would watch for sure for the Rays organization. Uh, he really helped solidify the lineup. The young guys that play for the Heat that are uh, Perth natives, the guys like Alex Hall, who's a Brewers farmhand, uh, he was he was outstanding. Oren uh, Berzowski, former Tiger farmhand, member of Team Australia, he was great. And... The, the captain, Tim Kennelly. Kennelly is from the famous Kennelly baseball family, former Phillies and Rangers farmhand, but he's a captain of Team Australia and captain of Perth. He had another, another phenomenal year as a veteran. And overall, I think the Heat, despite coming up one game short for the Clashes Shield, feel pretty good. And I think the, the, the program's in the right direction. And Lachlan Dale, who handles the player operations for the, for the club. And, and it also is good that we've had – some success this year in the American Association. A couple of, of guys that uh, played in the Kansas City franchise, Jordan Martinson and Brock Gilliam, had phenomenal years over there. And uh, Pete Cosma also uh, came over. And Josh Reddick, Josh Reddick played his final ball game as a Heater, a former pro ball game in Perth. So overall, I think it was an A A minus. You didn't win the league, but you were right there close to the very end. I think they'll be there again next year. What do you credit the, the quality of players that are coming over to Australia? What do you credit that to? Do you, is it the, the game itself? Do they just feel like it's a safer destination to go to? What's, what's caused this popularity? Gosh, guys want to play there. And I think I've told you guys this over the years. You know, in my travels, the American Association, folks find out that I've, you know, worked with, with the Heat or the ABL or Talking Baseball Australia. People want to talk about Baseball Australia. Once they get past the fact of, you guys play baseball there, wow, that's incredible. Uh, it is. It's, a, it's an English-speaking country. Uh, it's it's a, it's a, always on people's bucket list. I mean, New Zealand, Australia are, are on travelers in North America's bucket list. Most Americans never get there. And a chance to go there and play in that country is, is incredible and see the country. Uh, the level of play has gotten, more, gotten better. There's, this is one more little trick to it as well. Because they play rounds, meaning Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you don't play every day. So you're going to get a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday to, to, to train or to go to the beach or to just kick it see the country. And it's a little different pace. It's almost like a, a college pace as a college player. You have those conference series of the weekends, uh, maybe a midweek series, but very similar to that. So a little more downtime than you have with the minor leagues. I think guys love that and get, get a chance to, A, get their bodies right, work on some things. And it's much like playing in the American Association. Playing in Australia matters. Wins and losses matter. I mean, Adelaide, who just won the Claxton Shield, winning was a huge deal. They had uh, 2,500 folks sold out stadium in their two playoff games. They, had, they, had, they could have sold any more seats. And the interest of winning is very important, much like we have in the American Association and in any ball. So I think all those factors go into it. And, you know, it's, it's Australia. I mean, who wouldn't want to spend, uh, you know, if you're from the northern part of the U.S., you're going to you know, be freezing your tail off in December, but you're, you're down at the beach in December in Australia enjoying baseball.
you have to say, Dan, with your with Perth making it to the championship uh, series this year, you know, you had two championships in Kansas City, had a championship in Gary. You got you got to feel like you're a good luck charm for a team out there. A little bit. Uh, of course, the Heat the Heat were good before I got there, and uh, West Western Australia has always been the uh, the cream of the crop, at least the last twenty five years in baseball. So I don't take any credit for that. Um, I, well, actually, Joe Capietro of Kansas City's credit. Greg Taggart was Gary's credit, so maybe that's the right place, right time. Maybe I should be in a casino. I don't know. <laughs> well, it looks like an exciting season. For American Association fans out there who haven't really got a chance to watch Australian baseball, what, what, what were some highlights from this last year for you personally that you watched or heard about as the season went along? Well, uh, you couldn't you could not watch a game in the ABL either on demand or in person. Uh, which on demands their platform, and not see an American Association connection. I, I love the fact that Brock Gilliam, who was in with the Kansas City franchise this year, had such a really solid year over there. Uh, a phenomenal young man. He's a guy that was overlooked in the draft and has blossomed into a really good pro ball player. Uh, Nick Ward, who played in the Frontier League, and uh, he parlayed his Australian experience into and experience with, I believe he got picked up on the Phillies, playing for the Adelaide uh, Adelaide Giants who won the Claxton Shield. I mean, that's a guy that took the indie ball route and the Australian route, combined the platter, and goes over to uh, Adelaide and winds up coming out with an affiliated contract, probably being uh, high A with the Phillies next year, and he uh, was one of the candidates for MVP. That was a highlight. And seeing some of the younger guys, uh, kid named Jordan McCardle, who was a uh, – uh, Australian, but had a phenomenal uh, postseason run. I mean, that to me was great. He's Australian. Any time an Australian player and a Phillies prospect as well, a member of Team Australia, has great success. That's only great for our game in Australia as we try to close the gap between the Americans and the Japanese and the Dominicans. But uh, you know, th- those are some of the highlights. And, and and there was, you know, we had a lot of connections. Myself included. Uh, Sam Brief with the Chicago Dogs play-by-play man. He was calling games for Brisbane. Uh, Jim Bennett, who is the manager of Lake uh, Lake Country, is the uh, bench coach for there in Brisbane, and they had the best record in the league. Is uh, he worked for Dave Nielsen, is the manager of Team Australia, and it was good to see that great work. T.J. Bennett was a great story. Uh, you guys know T.J. Bennett, of course, uh, Jim Bennett's son, T.J. Uh, Lake Country and a Chicago Dog as well. Uh, T.J. All he did was hit 16 home runs this year in a 40-game season. Uh, that's the most home runs ever hit in a 40-game season over in Australia. So that was also big news, and uh, he was uh, up for the MVP. They haven't announced that as of our taping yet, but he's up for it. Another great storyline. So see those guys, and again, you, you couldn't go very far without seeing an independent ball player, a Tyler, Tyler Beardsley, for example, or, of course, we saw Pete Mitchum, Pete Cosmo already. Uh, there were just tons of those guys over there, left and right. Uh, Quincy Lattimore uh, comes to mind. There's just a, a whole, uh, whole whole slew of guys that you'd go, oh, wait, I saw him play here. I saw him play there, and they're all over the place. Is the ball, what are the ballparks like? So is 16 home runs a huge deal in terms of because of the way the ballparks play? Yeah, well, in general, yes. Brisbane has the smallest ballpark. I kind of call it the, the Australian version of Fenway or Wrigley to a degree. It's kind of built in a neighborhood, but it's got a real bandbox feel to it. Um, so hitting on a home runs in Brisbane is not uncommon. Uh, in general, 
uh, Perth is a pitcher's ballpark. It's got uh, the, what they call the Frio, the Frio Doctor, which is the, uh, the the breeze coming off the Indian Ocean that usually blows blows westerly off the ocean. The ball will usually uh, blow down and not carry as much, especially in the evening once the sun goes down. It, it, the ballpark in Adelaide has that same kind of breeze as well coming off the ocean. So usually uh, the ball not known to travel as far. So 16 is a pretty good number in that 40-game season. And, uh, you know, that's, of course, being a short winter ball season, 16 is pretty good. Uh, we, uh, you know, was, there were a couple guys right there on his, on his bumper at 13 and 14, but 16 is uh, as good as uh, T.J. Bennett. We're in that home run crowd this year. Uh, well earned for sure. Is there a player that a we have player? not heard of over here that could come over here and be a factor in the American Association as soon as next season? Oh gosh, there's a, there's a ton of them. I, I mean, I, I I champion all these kids. I tell you, a guy that if he gets a chance, someone will sign him. Is kid Over Berjowski, who's a young man who was born in South Africa, raised in Perth. His brother is playing uh, junior college ball in Vernon, Texas. He was in the Tigers last year, uh, last couple of years. He was an all-star in the Midwest League. But uh, if, if somebody in the ball would sign this kid, uh, boy, I'm telling you, he would he would be a, a, a great outing arm, good, good power bat, uh, steal some bases, uh, plays pretty good defense, and is a big kid. I think he would be a real good addition to any uh, independent balls, from, at least from an Australian point of view. The guys that Jordan McCardle I mentioned is a Phillies prospect. Uh, he, he's still, you know, last on of them. But as far as guys that are out there that are possible uh, candidates, also there's a couple, and, I, and I, I'm going to mispronounce his name. There's a young man, uh, uh, his last name Shinote. He's from Japan. Uh, he's actually messaged me this morning, and I was trying to help him get in contact with a couple of managers. He uh, played the Industrial League in Japan. He played in Perth. He's a pitcher, a right-handed pitcher, a lot of sink, a lot of uh, elbows and sidearm and really wicked movement. He's a guy, too, that somebody will take a, a flyer on. I, I think he would really be a valuable member of any American Association club. And, and I guarantee you, you know, Jim Bennett, for example, is watching. I mean, Jim Bennett, who sat in that dugout and watched every – Australian team. He saw all the Australian players. Knows them through Team Australia is going to be looking to, to add. I would. I would. Not, I'd be. Sh- I, would, I would not be surprised to see an, an Australian one or two make an appearance in the association based upon Jim Bennett alone. Now let me ask you about this, Dan, because yeah. I, I think the the big thing that people are looking for in that region is how does your how does your country advance on to compete with a, a United States or some of these uh, countries in the in the Caribbean area? So I, I would gather kind of that area, you're looking at Australia, Japan, uh, South Korea. How do you feel that Australia is matching up to some of these other countries now that they're back on the field and getting back playing baseball again? Well, the biggest problem we have in Australia is innings and at-bats. Um, we're up against the, the, the clock against that because the Japanese, the Koreans, they basically play baseball year-round. The Americans basically play baseball year-round, down the Caribbean year-round. The Australian baseball experience is usually a winner in North America baseball experience. We don't, don't usually play year-round. There's not a lot of opportunities. As a matter of fact, the, the captain of Team Australia, Tim Kennelly, is a fireman locally in Perth, and he's a you know, and phenomenal ball player, but there's no opportunity 
for these kids to play year-round. That's why the American Association and guys going to play in college and getting drafted is, is very important because, uh, for example, a guy like Robbie Glendinning, who's playing with the Royals organization, but he was drafted out of Missouri. He's an Australian kid but came over and played collegially on the University of Missouri. Those are very important because those guys get drafted. We need more Australians playing collegiate ball. We need more innings. We need more at-bats. We need more opportunities. And that's the, that's the only way that Australians going to close the gap. I mean, you're, you're playing you're, – you're, right now the World Baseball Classic, you've got you know, Korea, Japan, Czech Republic, Taiwan, and China are all in the same bracket with – or same pool with Australia. Well, outside the Czech Republic – the rest of those countries have pro leagues that play, uh, you know, in the Northern Hemisphere summer, and they play baseball, you know, more opportunities than we, than we have in Australia. So that's the biggest thing is closing the gap is going to take more college kids playing in the States, more opportunities playing in the minor leagues in the States. And that's going to close the gap. And that's why it's important that, you know, a guy, if we can get a kid in two signed in the American Association, that'd be great. For, you know, getting Lewis Thorpe last year a chance to pitch in the American Association was huge, former big leaguer. You know, when a guy gets released from, the, from an organization, let's so say the Pirates release a player, can we get him signed to play indie ball? Can we get that kid more bats, more chances to play? Because oftentimes these kids get released, they go back to Australia, and they're only playing winter ball, they don't get a chance to play year-round. So the only way we're going to close that gap and finish as a top-four side in the world is to get more bats and more, and more innings. It's something Dave Nielsen and I, and Jim Bennett have talked about time and time again. And anybody that knows me and has heard my work with Talking Baseball Australia knows it's a very passionate plea I've had that we need more opportunities. And our guys need more chances and more chances to swing the bat and more chances to throw innings. And that's going to close the gap and give Australia a chance to really compete. And that, that's going to be the real key. You know, I think back to a couple of Josh Cole played in the American Association. Sam Street, I believe, was the other guy, that, yep. Uh, yep. the right-handed pitcher. And both of them had a lot of success. I, I, I wonder, do you feel like there's maybe American managers or something are not viewing Australian players with the same kind of respect? I, I hate to use that word, but th that maybe they're not kind of giving them respect because they don't get as many at-bats or as many innings to pitch? I think that's part of it. I think also it's an easy thing. I mean, look out that window. I mean, every, every day, you know, I, I live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and during the Major League Baseball season, you know, a kid from the U.S. makes his debut in the big leagues every week. And, you know, we've had 34 Australians make the big leagues, I believe, over the course of, of baseball. And so it's a big deal when, you know, when Liam Hendricks made the All-Star team, that was a big deal. You know, it's just easier for a – and I'm not saying managers do this on purpose, but it's easier for manager A to find a relief pitcher – uh, in the in, in in the you know in Tennessee or Tulsa or wherever, as opposed to having to make a phone call and get a visa and uh, line that up and get get the entrance visa and get them over and all that, you know that's the deal. And Josh Tolles is a great example. He really applied his trade to co the college ranks at Rockhurst and was always you know, spent a lot of his time in the states. And, and you're asking a kid to really uproot their life and spend all their life, you know. In the, in the U.S. to make it easier for them, and that's really the biggest thing. It's not so much, I mean, the, the players can play. I, would, I can tell you right now, I can give you an Australian baseball all-star team that would go to the American Association and would kick their tails and win the, and win the damn, the Miles Wolf Cup. I can do that. I can put one together. I'm not worried about that. The thing is, I, I, have, I have no problem with this. 
the average American association man, the average independent manager, has got a way to find talent that go overseas. It's easier. It's just, it's one phone call to a kid just on the street. You can you know you're uh, <coughs> excuse me. I'll use Cleveland for example. The Cleveland Railroaders are sitting on the edge of eight million people. They can find baseball players left and right where you don't have to dig that Australian talent. That's the real uphill battle. It's just it's just so far away. And it's just harder to get those kids. Let's talk about that weight the World Baseball Classic. We got to see uh, the American Association put out a list of some of the guys on the Australian team that are going to be playing. Todd Van Cecil and, as you mentioned, Jim Bennett and Dave Nielsen are going to be managing the club down there. How do you see them faring in that group? Pretty tough group out there for them. Oh, man, it's going to be tough. It's like Dave told me on, the sh- uh, on our show uh, back in the fall. You know, it, you know, it's, it, they're all tough. I mean, you know, there's not easy ones that budge. Uh, the real challenge for Australia is going to be how much could their pitching hold up. You know, these, are, these games tend to be pretty close. Uh, they all can hit the ball. But how, and it, it's like this in playoff baseball. In, in any kind of you know, playoff kind of a- atmosphere, can your pitching hold up? And that's going to be the real key. Uh, there's a couple young arms. And uh, to, to look for Mitch Newborn is a kid from Western Australia. That's a name somebody should sign, by the way. Sign that kid. Sign Mitch Newborn. He's going to win you about uh, 12 games in the association. But um, a, kid, a young kid like that making his real first WBC uh, debut. There's a couple of veterans. Uh, Tim Atherton, who played for the Angels, Angels organization, will be one of your starters. The other one being Warwick Sopal and Warwick, former Tiger, played the KBO as well. It's going to be how, how those guys hold up and how that depth holds up. The real depth is the problem, is that the, the, the Australian pitching is going to really be challenged depth-wise, especially when they go against the Koreans and the Japanese, because those guys are going to roll out arm after arm after arm and no shortage of arms, where Australia just won't have the depth at that high level right now that those two teams have. Offensively, they should be fine. I mean, I think they'll, they've always been competitive. There's a couple of young bats. I mentioned Alex Hall who's a young catcher who had made a cup of coffee appearance with the Brewers last year. He had a phenomenal year. And I mentioned Jordan McCarl, the MVP of the uh, League Championship Series. Those guys, they'll be able to swing the bat with anybody. It's just going to be the pitching depth. And that's the real the real heel for Team Australia to compete the wing against those, uh, I mean, the Japanese and Koreans especially. I, I don't know if you can answer this, Dan, but I have to tell you that a, a week ago when I'm looking at the World Baseball Classic pool, a Czech Republic, that, that, I thought, well, wow, that's kind of interesting. Do you know anything about what their level of success is at all? Well, they've done what a lot of the European sides have done. They've, they've you know, obviously won as many of their local as, as they could get. So the European sides, and I include Israel in this, in this mix too, uh, the Netherlands, uh, Team Great Britain, which has got former Railcat Alex Crosby playing, and Nick Ward, I mentioned earlier, is playing for them. What they've all done is really hatch into the uh, U.S. talent base with uh, you know talented players who have a connection to those countries. You know, uh, a couple of years ago, Ian Kinsler played for Israel, you know, former uh, Ranger. Uh, th- those countries are doing more of that, where Australia hasn't done that to a degree, and that's helped dramatically in the Czech Republic's the world, uh, the Netherlands using a lot of those players from down in the Caribbean. Uh, I don't know a lot about the Czechs, the, the roster. I've, I've seen it. 
nothing jumped out of me at the time, but it doesn't mean that uh, uh, that they won't be a tough out, and it'll be a tough one. They're all going to be tough for Team Australia, but but one thing to remember that a lot of these these countries are doing, and Israel's been really good about doing this. Israel, for example, has been huge about growing their game through using American players who have, you know, who are either Jewish or had, you know, their grandparents are born in Israel or whatever the case may be. That's really helped these programs, and Czech Republic will be in that list as well. Anybody that's got any Czech descent, you know, they're, they're in Italy. Remember Chris Calabello played for Kansas City a few years ago, played for Team Italy. I mean, those, those countries are using these former, these former big leaguers or these minor league players. It's helping them develop the program. That's why, you know, teams are seeing going, wow, I didn't know the Czech Republic played baseball. And, uh, yeah, they do. And, and, and the Netherlands and Germany and Great Britain and all these places are, are starting to grow their game with the help of uh, good old Uncle Sam's uh, uh, offspring as well. Now, I'm curious, Henry Dan, if you look at some of these stats, like you talked about Alex Hall, who had a fantastic season. Uh, the numbers are phenomenal for a young catcher guy, too. That's a 360 batting average, had eight homers in 38 games, and that's that's pretty phenomenal numbers. If, if I'm looking at him, you know, I was thinking about this in minors, how, how well somebody's stats translate to their potential to play in the American Association or vice versa, return back to Philly ball. It, it's, so T.J. Bennett with six, 17 homers and Alex Hall, how do you feel like those numbers translate if he's a guy playing in the American Association? If that make, question makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. And I, I think I think TJ. I mean, we would consider TJ Bennett a, a a power bat and a a uh, you know a top tier top tier bat in the American Association. I would say Alex Hall would be as well. I would have told you maybe maybe. Maybe five or six years ago, they didn't translate nearly as nearly as well as they do now. But I think now what you see is what you get. I mean, Alex, uh, the, the Brewers thought hot enough of Alex Hall to call him up for a day last year in an emergency role in the big leagues. So they they, they figured they get, in an emergency situation, they were not afraid of throwing him in the big leagues. I mean, that, that kid did get a, a little bench time with the, with the uh, Brewers. And, you know, obviously what Bennett does, pretty consistent the American Association, I think it's pretty comparable. Uh, I, I've seen it really over the last few years become pretty comparable. And I think the eyes, you know me, I've always said this to you, and I know Kevin knows, he's heard me say this, the eye test tells me, you know, the eye test tells me that player A can play. And it just tells me that, you know, that, that you know, uh, Adam Brett Walker, for example, we had that conversation, Kevin and I did many times, Adam Brett Walker playing over in Japan, like, the eye test told me that kid could play, you know, and the eye test tells me Alex Hall, or Mortowski, or uh, you know, Nick Ward is American, or you know, those guys can play. I look at these kids that are playing in Australia, the ABL, and a guy like Rickson Wingrove, he can play. These are guys that can play. Um, there's, there's no doubt that they can play. I mean, you mentioned Josh Tolles. I've seen Josh Tolles play at a high level in both affiliated and in our, and the American Association. You know, they can play. You know, and uh, There's no doubt that the leagues are very comparable. Now, I don't mean to put you on the spot here, Dan, but, uh, you know, I, I think uh, here at the show, and I know around the American Association, people saddened that you would not be back with Kansas City next year. We love Carter, but, you know, you're Dan Vaughn, and, and you've always been a favorite for us here. Yeah, I, I just want to pat you on the back for the fact of, you know, a lot of people would have decided to go scorch earth in a situation like that. And, and, and 
I, I think it's a testament to what an incredible guy that you are, that you've just been a total class act about this entire thing. And, uh, you know, I, I don't, I know you're not going to toot your own horn about this, but, you know, I have to say, I, I've been very impressed by the way that you have just handled this like a true professional and, and been an even better guy than I envisioned in the, all the time I've known you. Well, I appreciate it. And I'm not going to lie. It, it's been hard. Um, and I, I'll even take this opportunity to say it's been a, a real difficult few months for my wife and I, uh, anybody that knows me knows that I'm passionate about what I do. I love my time in Kansas city. I, I, I gave, you know, gave my all to that, that organization. And, and I wanted to be a part of the organization for a long time. And whenever you're told you're not wanted and you're, told to pack your bags that hurts and it, it was been a painful been painful for us but uh life goes on and, and we're we're a family of faith and we try to put our faith in the right spot and go forward as best we can and and hopefully down the road something good will happen and uh it will really uh will really flourish that's all we can do and you know i you know it's it's been it's been hard it's been hard and, and i think as it gets closer to the end of the season i'm sorry closer to the season starting it's going to get harder in case something doesn't happen. So, uh, but I appreciate the kind words and, uh, you know, it's, it, it was a great opportunity and I'm, I'm always blessed to have uh, spent that time there. You know, I want to piggyback on that too. And, and this was something that I had sent to you. I, I listened in as long as I could. Mind you, it was a one thirty first pitch our time, but I thought you sounded great calling the, what was the deciding game of the Claxton Shield Championship? Shield, yes. I just saw you. I just well, thought you were on top I, of your game, and well, it just—you could just tell there was a big game importance, and you were just—you were on. I mean, you sounded great, and anyone that wants it. to know what Dan Vaughn brings to the table, I wish they could get a copy of that game because I thought you were excellent. Well, I appreciate it. I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention my my business partner, broadcast partner, maybe my, my best mate, Paul Morgan, who's been working with me on Talking Baseball Australia uh, for the last 10 years. And, of course, we do the radio show. We've done over there. We've done this. We do our little Facebook <coughs> excuse me, our Facebook show as well. I got a little cold over there. That's why I'm kind of still fighting that. Uh, but Paul and I have been putting our little project of really a project of, of, of labor of love, much like you guys. You know, Paul, I know Paul follows you guys. And you guys are a labor of love. We're the same thing when it comes to Perth and what we do with the Heat. And uh, we uh, we kind of threw it together at the last minute, and we're like, wow, this could work. And so uh, uh, I little rolled the dice last uh, week there in, in Adelaide. It turned out to be a real good one, and uh, looking forward to some more radio coverage next year. But I appreciate appreciate the kind words, man. It's a, it's, it's a labor of love, as you guys will well know about this uh, little thing we do. And as you know, worst-case scenario, if nothing else works out, you've got a home with us this summer. We'd love to have you on as part of our show on a regular basis. I think there's some things that we could do that we're not already doing. I think you can make us an even better show. Well, I, I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, hey, you know what? I'd be, I'd be blessed and be, be honored to be a part of something that you guys are doing. Again. It's like you guys... You guys, I don't think people realize that you guys know how I feel about it and how, you know, how how few people really do what you guys do, and it's it's, it's unfortunate because you guys do a great job. It's a great league. It's a great game, and and supporting what we do in our league is is a, a phenomenal opportunity. And it's 
you know, part of me, part of me is I'm sad that more people don't do it. But at the same time, the fact you guys do do it uh, is a big tip of the cap because you guys are the best. That's that is uh, you guys should always uh, uh, be considered the best. The, uh, the 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 GOAT of the American Association, the dynamic duo of uh, Mr. Pernier and Luco, or other way around. Who goes first in this deal? Who gets who gets top billing? Kevin Luco is always first. Oh, Kevin Rob, Luco is Rob always for first. Sure. No, there you go. Kevin is always first. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, Dan, tomorrow's Valentine's Day, and I'd be remiss if I didn't find out. Is, is, is your wife Dr. Vaughn right now, or where, where are we at with that? She is, uh, my wife, Gay Marie, is, uh, she's close. She's not Dr. Vaughn yet, although her headmaster, where she teaches at St. Mark's in Dallas, uh, has called her Dr. Vaughn, but he's like, no, 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 not yet. Uh, she's still, uh, she's got to defend her uh, thesis coming up, I believe. Well, she's got to present it on the 21st, and then uh, she will uh, go in the process of defending it and all that. She'll be, uh, she's a little downhill slope. She's looking at uh, being officially a uh, doctor, I believe, next fall. So she's not, because because school, you know, summer comes up and they stop a little bit, and so that that it doesn't continue the whole time. But uh, she'll be uh, uh, sometime next fall. She'll have that whole thing on the wall, and uh, they'll officially walk her down the uh, the aisle at Moody Coliseum in Dallas with her fancy. Uh, fancy regalia on and she'll be a doctor and uh, I'll still just have my one degree from Texas Tech on the wall. You know, speaking of Texas Tech, I had a couple of things this season. You had to be super happy about that. Well, I was really happy before the season started and they started playing like, well, not real good. And then uh, they sort of rebounded lately. So, uh, you know, it's not been a great year for them, but it's, uh, it's, it's, it's definitely uh, it's they're not final four bound this year, but uh, it, they, they started bouncing back a little bit. But it's been a little tough year for the Red Raiders. But Red Raider had a, a really nice Super Bowl, so that was also very nice to see uh, Patrick Mahomes, who represents the university. Which, which I, I say that tongue in cheek, that's really serious. Uh, Texas Tech's done a really good job of promoting him, and vice versa. He promotes the university in a huge way, so it's very uh, very great to see a Red Raider on the biggest stage in sport over the weekend uh, have a nice one so that's always good well speaking of basketball it's been fun to listen to you on with brad Allred doing grandview zebras games and i didn't well, know on top of it all and brad's gonna kill me for saying this he's kind of become like the joey zanaboni hype man doing the player introductions too he does he does do that uh, brad brad does the intros as well, and uh, I, when he was on, it was funny because he was on a cruise with his wife a couple about a, you know back in January. They had a pre-planned vacation, so I filled in for him on the girls' game. He does the girls' games, I do the boys' games. I do the color commentary for the girls. He does the color commentary for the boys. And most of the time they're back to back. Well, he was gone for about uh, ten days, and he he knew I was going to be gone for about ten days for to Australia as well. So we do that. He. He didn't tell me this part, though the home games, I had to do the hype as well. So I had to do a, the hype. Only difference was when I did the little intro hype, I did it live on the air. So I actually, would, I actually didn't go to a break. I just left the mic open and did the live intro on the radio. Uh, and I, it's been a great time, man. He, uh, 
Brad Aldridge does a great job with Cleveland. I mean, talk about talk about a guy with passion. I mean, that guy is is that guy's got you know. You never see him at that ballpark without Cleveland caps and shirts and jerseys. I mean, he's into it. That guy is he is the railroader. He is that's him, and he's a passionate guy. But I'm so thankful that he uh, called me and said, "Hey, uh, you want to do some basketball?" And I'm like, "You need me?" Brad had done it 30 years. Goes, "Oh, come on, you'll, you'll be fine." And sure enough. We've had a great time doing this uh, little high school thing and doing some Grandview Zebra basketball. But a little blast, man. Been a blast. Fantastic. Fantastic. Dan, we appreciate you joining Dan, us this week. And you know, you're a veteran guy, so uh, we'll give you our final thought for this week. Yes, veteran guy. Well, I'm just very thankful that uh, Baseball in Australia survived and that we're back and rolling and playing once again, and if you folks are really looking forward to a trip of a lifetime, I recommend packing your bags one holiday and going over and watching the Australian Baseball League and all that it implies. It's a great experience to watch uh, baseball and go to the beach and enjoy uh, what a phenomenal country Australia is. So I'm very thankful that baseball is alive and well in the beautiful southern land that is Australia. And uh, go Aussies. Uh, do something great in the World Baseball Classic. Fantastic. Dan Vaughn, thanks for joining us this week. Yeah, thanks for doing it. Thank you, guys. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure, guys. Well, Kevin, it's great having Dan on the show. And, man, I hope he's in a job in this league because we love him. Yes, I would put him on the very short list of, um, you know, true voices of the American Association. And he belongs to this league. It's a better league with a minute. You know, we talked a few weeks ago about uh, Hall of Fame guys in the American Association. I think you and I have got to see six guys, seven guys maybe in the last ten years that you're talking about are definitely going to be Hall of Fame broadcasters in the league one day. And you got to think Dan's going to be one of those guys one day. Yeah, he's right up there. And, you know, and he'll, tell, he'll be the first to tell you, you know, he has his own distinctive style, but it's uh... – it's a style that, how can I explain this? Um, I think I've maybe explained this on the show or in my blog before. It's a voice that makes you want to go out and buy a ticket or go on a trip. You tune in, you hear it, you, you know, when he was in Kansas City, when I think, when I thought Kansas City T-Bones or Kansas City Monarchs baseball, I thought Dan Vaughn, and when I hear him calling a game, I'm like, geez, I need to get down there. I need to catch him on the road. He was one of those voices, a, a voice that just, you know, and is that what is that what you try to do with your broadcast is, in a way, is uh, get people to be interested in your product? Absolutely. This is supposed to be about them wanting to listen more, them wanting to watch more, them wanting to come out and get involved in the action. And he does have that very inspiring way and and way of been drawing you in because you know the the great thing about it is he's not just telling you about the game but he's interacting with fans while the game is going on and they feel like you know they're 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 in on the broadcast with him i, I think that's kind of a cool little feature that he adds there so very yeah, like i had pointed said. out like i had pointed out in my blog i did of a couple months ago when the news came down that he wasn't coming back to kansas city how often have you ever heard of a broadcaster broadcasting from a suite and having a suite filled with people that are there just because he's broadcasting from there. That tells you the kind of following 
that Dan Vaughn had in Kansas City. And you don't really hear about that with uh, many other broadcasters. No, you're absolutely right about that. I couldn't look so around the... with people to watch a game for me if I paid them. <laughs> yeah, people pay us to not be in the same suite with them. Is this the way that would probably work? So I'm with you on that. Well, Kevin, let's jump around the rest of the American Association this week. And uh, well, I mean, first, before, before we do this, uh, it, it, it's we should mention though, you know, the American Association has really tried to tie themselves into Australian baseball, and we saw a lot of guys headed down there this year that played in the league the last few seasons. And uh, you know, I'm glad to see that Australian baseball survived and looks like it's thriving because I think last year you and I were a little skeptical about where they were sitting after sitting out for two years, and, and now I feel like they're they're in a pretty good spot, it sounds like. And it's good to see, I, you know, I Dan was talking about crowds being down, and my immediate thought was I think we saw some of that early in the 2021 season when everybody was back on board, but uh, there were still some people leery about um, going out in public places like that. And I think the COVID situation has there's been a, even more fear pumped into people in Australia where I imagine, you know, there was probably some hesitancy to come up to the ballpark as it was. Yeah, and things were a, a, a lot stricter. We'll, we'll use that word down there in Australia. So, uh, you know, it took a little while, I'm sure, for people to be comfortable and feel confident that they could go out. And so good thing that, that that's happening because it sounds like great baseball going on there and, um, so I'm glad to see people are back in the action for sure. Okay, well, now we'll talk about American Association at that point. So, Kevin, big trade this week. Uh, Chicago, I, man, that was a blockbuster deal, getting Josh Altman and Jonathan Cheshire uh, from the Lincoln Salt Dogs. All of a sudden, I think Chicago jumps to a team. You go, wow, this is going to be very difficult to beat if they can get you know guys like Grant King, those kind of guys, back next year. It's interesting to see what, you know, and we're going to have to wait and see on that, what kind of a nucleus there is built around Josh Altman. But, boy, that's somebody you can plug into your lineup for 95 games a year and know that you're going to, you're going to be all right in a pretty important spot in the infield at shortstop. Absolutely. And, and uh, had a little bit of an off year last year after hitting 29 homers and 2021 hit 15 last year that's still good numbers for a shortstop but you know he had 15 homers with very little support around him last year kevin and you got to figure he's going to probably bat probably right in front of casey hobson uh then you have grant k behind there's no pitching around him at this point i i think he could have another 25 plus homer next season next year uh, with that lineup behind him and you don't um don't forget, he's going to be playing in a pretty hitter-friendly ballpark, too. I think that's the most important point of all. Uh, that, that, you know, uh, Lincoln's a great ballpark, but not known for huge home run numbers that we've seen there. But, boy, Chicago, that's an entirely different story. So we'd probably be liking that nice, short uh, left, left field pole right there. And, and I had a, a nice run in the home run derby, too, so... Uh, he, he should be a guy that loved there in Chicago for sure. Jonathan Cheshire had a great season for the club last year as well, Kevin. For Lincoln, 34 appearances he made for the team, had a 3.09 ERA. Um, he's, you talked uh, early on in the season about that incredible Chicago bullpen. It looks like they added another arm to it. No doubt about it. He should um, 
probably fit in right with the rest of the hard throwers that we saw come in. Well, it seemed like pretty much from the fifth or sixth inning on for the dogs last summer. Chicago also makes another deal today. Um, they make a trade with Lincoln, uh, Lincoln with Lake Country. Uh, Lake Country gets Harrison Smith. Uh, Chicago gets left-handed pitcher Brian Warzak. Um, I'm looking up his stats here right here as, as Kevin and I are talking about this. But uh, Brian Warzak last year played for Lake Country, was 0-1 in, what are we talking about, six appearances, so very limited time with the uh, Doc Hounds, but had played uh, with the Los Angeles Dodgers organization for a few years. Um, a, guy, a guy looks like he primarily worked out of the bullpen, so... Chicago, another an, another good left-hander that they're working down in their bullpen. Harrison Smith, though, Kevin, uh, a guy that we've seen, you know, has been around the league for a while, has some some solid seasons in Chicago. One of those guys you expect to hit like 260 with 12 homers and 55 RBI, stuff like that. Looks like he could fit in very well in that Lake Country lineup. It's going to be really different seeing Harrison Smith not in a Chicago Dogs uniform, right? Without, um, you know, could do some digging here, but I believe that Smith was a Chicago Dogs original in 2018. If not that, um, I think he had maybe had been with them from like 2019 on. So that's I'm gonna look that up. You talk about guys that you get used to seeing with uh, one team. So 2019 on. So he finished up Oral Roberts in 2018, joined Chicago the following year. Four years in a dog's uniform. So uh, Yeah, that's still a pretty, pretty lengthy run. Yeah, for a team that's you know, he, he was in never – you look at the stats, the stats don't really pop out at you, but he always seemed to be someone, you know, and for guys, someone that wasn't a regular player, you look at the home run totals, eight last year, nine the year before six and only 38 games in 2020. You know, he was, he served a role off of that bench and he was a guy that could play in a lot of different places in the field. And not to mention too, that occasionally he took the mound. That's very true too. Had a couple of good outings for them too last year. So a Lake country also re-signs a left-handed pitcher, Eric Cruz, Air Evan, excuse me, Krusinski. And as a, a young outfielder too, Aaron Simmons, Played last year in the Pioneer League, where he appeared in 22 games, hitting 265 for Great Falls. Um, manager Jim Bennett is what's what's keep in mind, folks is is down there in Australia right now. Just just got back, but it, but he's already been working on that roster right now. I'm I'm and I'm looking at this right now. I believe that he has let's see, 11, 15, 18, 18 guys signed to this club right now for a guy that wasn't even in the country for the last few months and is continuing down there in Australia because. Uh, he's helping to manage a team that's heading to the World Baseball Classic, but you know you, you got to tip your cap to a guy who's working thirteen thousand miles away to still build his club. No doubt about it. I'm sure last year probably left a bitter taste in his mouth, and I'm sure he's he's wanting to build a pretty good ball club there and um, to give the give Lake Country fans a uh, reason to be optimistic about their franchise. The Kane County Cougars, Kevin, re-sign infielder Galley Cribs, a, a guy that's been a, a very dependable player for manager George Samus, and we, we like this young man. He, he really, I think he represents what we've come to know about George, that guy that 
when he when it's not a star player, a Brady Shoemaker, a, you know, a, a Vinny DeFazio, it, it's that guy that plays 85 games, hits 260, 270, uh, plays good defense, just a, a George Samus kind of guy, I feel like, is Gally Cribs. Yeah, just a, a really good, really good glove up the middle too, and you know how much um, George Samus values having a being strong up the middle and getting a commitment already from Cali Cribs uh, will go a long way towards getting their 2023 team established. A big move for the Sioux City Explorers today as they trade uh, left-handed pitcher Patrick Lede, who had been there. I guess we can kind of consider their ace over the last couple of years. They they get an outfielder, Jake Sanford from Ottawa, who had a monster year last year, 311 with 22 homers in 91 games. I, I, I was kind of looking at this, Kevin, and thinking, man, Steve Montgomery's got five position players and we're in sign already and we're in February. We're not used to that by this point. Yeah, I guess he wants to shut us up this year, huh? <laughs> Yeah, I, I I like this move though, Kevin, because I, I think since they have not had Jose Sermo with the team, they've been missing that big power bat. You know, a, a guy that they could depend on to drive in a big number of runs, and that just has not been there for them the last couple of years. And hopefully, this is the guy that that um, Steve Montgomery is looking for because um, I don't think this team can really compete in this division unless they have at least two guys that they can depend on for 15 home runs and it's just too tough and and uh so this might be one of the one of those pieces to help them get going you have to imagine because that's a pretty good um piece he gave away with patrick ledette so um i'm sure they're expecting big things out of mr sanford that's the probably the most uh important point of that is that patrick had been a huge part of that starting rotation and uh you know, showed flashes of brilliance for the team. He'd go five, six starts just looking virtually untouchable. So that was a big move for them. You know, Kevin, I have to say is that I spent a few days uh, this last Thursday and Friday working on putting together a spreadsheet of all of the signings that teams have already made so far. And, you know, I know that Gary had that big day about 10 or 11 days ago where they had – 12 guys that manager Lamar Rogers signed, but this team already has 24 guys signed for next season already. I think that they bring 28 into spring training, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, but I, I was pretty impressed by that. I, I thought Lamar Rogers is not messing around. This guy wants to make sure he's ready to go, and, and he looks like he's making moves that he's pretty satisfied with the direction of his team. Well, he knows, too, that I, I think there was a lot of positives to come out of the 2022 season, and I know that he's got a pretty good core of guys. I think he can build around and uh, make a winner out of the Real Cats this season. I think you're absolutely right about that. I think we've seen some managers getting a little more proactive than what we have seen in previous seasons, too. George Samus already has three guys signed, and you go, well, wow, three guys. But, you know, you and I have seen – it's May 1st, like four or five days before spring training, and you got five or six guys officially signed and all that are out there that we know about. And then all of a sudden there's a slew of guys coming in. Joe Calfa-Pietra is another guy that, you know, you, you might not see a whole lot of signings until mid-April. But I, I think managers are realizing that in this day and age, you gotta be, you, you got to really have a good portion of your roster built, even as 
you know, Major League Baseball is about to head to spring training right here, but you can't sit on your laurels right now. Um, teams are out there signing guys, and there's a lot of independent leagues out there. You've got to get busy right now. Hey, you know, for once, I'm actually done my homework, and I do have a computer in front of me doing the show instead of winging it. And like it. I, I look at getting back to to uh, Jim Bennett in Lake Country. You look at the eighth; he signed a right-handed pitcher. But I thought what stood out to me was February 9th, left-handed Robert Gonzalez, right-handed Greg Velez. But an old name, Tyler Pike. Tyler was somebody that Bennett had in in Fargo-Moorhead in 2019. And Pike, if you remember, he was the pitcher in the 2019 North Division playoffs had had the St. Paul Saints a no-hit for six innings before the Saints were able to get to him. So... Pike has been an incredible pitcher in this league, and if he can, if he can get the Tyler Pike that we all saw back then, that is a huge sign for Lake Country. Yeah, he, he's really built a, a very solid pitching staff already. You got Alex McRae returning back, Nick Harold, who was very good after joining the starting rotation for this team. Um, Connor Fist looks like he's going to be a great addition. Plus, they have some good bullpen help out there. And if you're talking about Tyler Pike, and if you get uh, Angel Ventura back, and he looks like he did after he came to Lake Country, man, that starting rotation is looking really tough for Lake Country. And, man, those dock counts, they could be chasing after the rest of the team in that division, making a, making some headway next year. So I'm, I'm excited, Kevin. I, you know, it, it, it's a little crazy to be talking about in February, getting excited about uh, 96 days until the regular season gets underway right now. But... I think we are seeing some some fantastic moves. Louis, we should mention Luis Ramirez got re-signed by Winnipeg this week. Their ace of the staff, who was phenomenal for about three months, really tired down about mid-August and, and didn't have the, the stretch run that he wanted. But, man, this guy was a, a fantastic for this club. And, I, man, I, I think this season is going to be even more exciting and fun than we saw last year. I don't know who does the press releases for Lake Country, but if they didn't do it, they missed out on an opportunity. The headline being, Doc Hounds reel in a pike. <laughs> I like it, man. That was very, very apropos. Somebody missed that. They had the big opportunity, Kevin. Let it get away from them. <laughs> okay, well, out there in the Frontier League, they do not have much going on uh, that, I, that I've seen out there. They're just, you know, some regular transactions as teams are building rosters out there. Um, they have signed a couple of guys that came out of American Association Baseball. I saw that Ottawa signed former catcher, well, not former, but catcher Daniel uh, Martins Molinari played last year in the league. Uh, and I believe that did Dan... Dan Kubiak played last season, right-handed pitcher, I believe, in the American Association, signed with Joliet Slammers this year. So um, they're just trying to pilfer away from the American Association. That's the way that's looking, Kevin. Atlantic League not having much going on out there. Uh, they're just working on kind of building their 25th anniversary team. Uh, this week they named Glenn Murray as uh, one of the new additions out there, former outfielder in the league. Um, so congratulations to him to being named to their all um, silver anniversary team out there. So, congratulations, Glenn Murray. I think that's all we got going on in American uh, in independent baseball, Kevin. Well, the other leagues just don't seem as they're being as active as the American Association. So, I'm not complaining about that because we want we want our league to be active. And it's gonna be a thing too, where the 
the other leagues generally draw in the younger players and they may be waiting to see how the college seasons all unfold and go from there. Absolutely. And as we said, uh, spring training getting underway with pitchers and catchers reporting here in the next few days for most of the teams. And then we'll be looking at um, six weeks of spring training and then Major League Baseball getting underway and a whole lot of players being released out at that point. So um, we're going to see an incredible amount of signings and moves over the next six weeks. And already three players from the American Association since the start of the year have had their contracts picked up by Major League Baseball. So I'm sure that's not going to be the last of that. There's a lot of good good arms out there for sure that are going to get a shot. So Ryan Lidge still deserves a shot out there. So uh, if you're somebody looking for a catcher, that's, that's definitely a guy who deserves to be playing back in affiliate ball, without a doubt. Well, Kevin, I think that wraps us up here for tonight on uh, This Week in the Association. So uh, first of all, before we jump out of here, what, what's going on out there at the 10th inning blog spot? How, how's the bowling going on, and what are we writing about these days? Well, we just had our city tournament. I care not to discuss how it went for me, but um, I participated, and um, everyone that did had a good time. And we had a had a Super Bowl Sunday tournament, one day tournament going on. Had a full alley for that, so it was a fun time. As I said, usually um, in the winter, I call Sundays off due to lack of interest. So it was fun to have actually have something to go do on Sunday. Um, I still need to sit down and uh, do a recap of my trip from Sioux Falls and Sioux City that I talked about last week. So it's in the hopper. Just need to just need to type it all out. Um, do you want to go right to the final thought because it's going to be short and sweet this week? Let's lay it in. Someone asked me today, "Hey, did you watch the Super Bowl?" I said. Any sporting event that has two national anthems and one of them is not old Canada, I'm not going to watch. Like it. Is that the end of the final thought? Yes. Told you, short right. tweet today, buddy. I like it. Let's, let's like our country once in a while. How about that? That'd be a nice thing if that went on that way. Liking that a thought. Well, once again, I uh, want to thank Dan Bond for joining us this week. Next week, Kevin and I are going to uh, welcome the newly retired Logan Trowbridge to the show, talk a little bit about his time in the American Association and Australian baseball as well, and what Logan plans on for the next uh, venture of his life, the next chapter out there. So that should be fun to talk with him and see what's going on out there. So for Kevin Luco, I'm Rob Panier. We'll see you next time on This Week in the Association. <laughs>